Hello again. This is Tandem Coaching Academy's Keeping Agile Non-Denominational Podcast. And Sheree Silas and myself, Alex Gunev, are your hosts today. And today we are talking to Alicia McLean. She is an agile and professional coach. And our topic today is building culture of accountability in agile enterprise using coaching. That's a mouthful. Hey, Alicia. So why don't you start with introducing yourself to our listeners? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the invitation, Alex and Sheree. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. You know, this is a, uh, well, let me, let me introduce myself. So I've been around in the Agile space since 2006. I'm an enterprise Agile coach working with organizations that are mostly in uh, the industry of healthcare, medical device, um, and I, uh, what else? Medical device, yeah, what else was I gonna say? You know, I've been around for a, a long time and I, I really do love this work. And, and one of the things that I'm seeing, um, uh, especially now with, with teams being distributed is this challenge of accountability. And so that's why, that's, that's why this topic is, is very, uh, uh, it's a good one to talk about today. Great. So, and I remember when I was starting kind of on my agile journey, this word accountability kind of jumped out at me and mm -hmm. being ESL, uh, I had to look it up in a dictionary. And I know that uh, not particularly everybody is on the same page of what the definition of accountability is. So what is accountability for Alicia? Yeah. You know, it, very simply, the way I look at it is it's this idea of a do say ratio. Do you do what you say you're going to do? And do you do what you say you're going to do more often than not? And so there are whole organizations. I actually first got that phrase from a, a student that I had when I was teaching at the university. Uh, I had a group of students that worked it into it. And, and they, their whole culture was around this idea of a do say ratio. And that was part of their lexicon and part of their language. And so I picked it up from there because I thought it was a great phrase. And, and so I, I, to me, it, it really gets down to, to that. Do you do what you say you're gonna do? And so is that uh, between peer to peer? Is that between team to team? Is that between manager and employee? It's all about, do you do what you say you're gonna do? So that's not the first time I hear that do say ratio mm -hmm. and uh, it kind of jives in with the whole uh, agile metrics and all that. So what's the ideal do say ratio? <laughs> I'm not going to get into the numbers with metrics, but I will say this. If there is a perception that you do what you say you're going to do more often than not, then you've got organizational street cred, if you will. And so this also contributes to trust, right? This also contributes to build, building and developing a culture of trust, because if you do what you say you're, you're going to do more often, then people, you become that go-to person. You become that person that people know or trust that they can rely on you to complete the thing or whatever it is that you said you're going to do. And so if, if we pivot this off in the direction of coaching and how does building a culture of coaching contribute to this, I think about how leaders in an organization, managers in an organization, anybody that's uh, working with and maybe 
coaching other people. If you're using a, a, a traditional, I'll just say arc of a coaching conversation, or if you're following any kind of ICF standard, accountability is kind of part of the conversation. And it's not a hammer, it's really an invitation. It's saying, so, you know, well, gee, you, you said that you wanted to do X, Y, and Z. Tell me, uh, you know, what do you think you want to have that done? Or what do you need to do that? Or what help do you need? Or what support do you need to do that? And so it's part of the conversation. And so when you're, and when you're constantly having these conversations in your organization, it's just a natural flow to start building up this way that we hold ourselves and others accountable. So when I hear you say that, what brings to mind for me is this big fear around the word accountability. You know, it's like when, when you say accountability, people start to envision your hands around my throat holding me accountable. Um, but it doesn't sound like that's what you mean. No, no. And so thank you for bringing that up because um, when, when it's almost like this idea of um, um, people just having a, a perception of this that that is something they, they remember that's unpleasant about a time in the past where they may have been held accountable and it wasn't so pleasant. What I'm, what I'm really talking about is, um, the funny thing is, is if I think about a coaching conversation and a coaching arc, I'm not really holding you accountable. <laughs> I'm inviting you to explore what you need for accountability. And I'm inviting you to explore the tools, the, the resources, you're coming up with your own thing. So I'm not holding you accountable necessarily. I'm inviting you to explore what that is for you. And so the way I see it is that this is done with grace when you have it be part of the normal arc of a coaching conversation. That, that's, that's my experience. And honestly, in all the coaching conversations that I've had with executives at the C-level all the way across to individual contributors in an organization. When I get to that invitation to, in, when I invite them to explore what they need to be held so they can hold themselves accountable, there's like nothing even unpleasant about it. They're like, oh, well, gosh, let me think, what do I need and what resources do I need? And, 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 when, and, and the funny thing is also on that, <laughs> when I ask the question, what support do you need? I always have this feeling in my mind that they're gonna say they need me to do something and they don't. That's just my ego getting in the way, thinking there's something I need to do to help them. I don't need to help them. They have everything they need to get done what they need to have done. Mm. Creative, resourceful, and whole. That's what the coachee is, the person that you're coaching. And so I love that. It just gives me goosebumps talking about it. <laughs> Sorry if you heard my dog flap. He's in the office with me today. <laughs> Totally okay. And so I hear you talking about this accountability. You know, as a coach, I'm giving them the option to create their own accountability. And then I also hear you talking about accountability with grace and building a, a, a culture here of self-accountability. And I'm wondering what the connection is between these leaders and managers and accountability with grace when they're talking about their own staff. Yeah. Yeah. And so here's what I've, here's what I've noticed. And, and hopefully this is answering the question, but here's what I've noticed in working with, because the coaching work that I do, as I mentioned, is, is across the spectrum. It's from 
all the way at the highest level and all the way to individual contribute in the organization. And what I notice in these uh, coaching uh, relationships that extend for some period of time is I notice people starting to pick up a rhythm of the coaching conversation. And I start to see them or hear them asking questions about, well, how can I do this with my teammate or with my, uh, my, you know, my staff member, they, they pick it up and they, and they, they'd like how they feel in the coaching conversation. So they try to mimic it. And so it's that idea of I'm taking these ideas that I'm learning in this coaching conversation, I'm experiencing the coaching conversation, but I'm also learning. And so now I want to try it on my own. So that's when I provide resources and tips and, and this kind of thing, you know, if, if that's what they're looking for. But it starts with them experiencing coaching, picking up those pieces that they see as patterns, and then they begin to try it on their own. And that's what I've experienced. And it's actually been pretty powerful and exciting to watch. Yeah. So it must be that part of invoking awareness awareness yeah. of one's capabilities, abilities, and actually power of doing less and getting more by giving power to the people who do the work. Power to the people. I love that. I think I might put my fist in the air on that one. <laughs> no, I love that. And, and yeah. let me just share with you. So I did a talk on this subject a year ago at the uh, International Conference for PMI, uh, the Project Management Institute, and it was their PMO symposium. I did a talk about this. And I was very, I felt very grateful to be in an audience of project managers because I'm a recovering project manager. I have my certification. I've been a project manager for years. And there is such a thought that you have to have all the answers. You have to know how to do everything. You have to direct all the people. There's just this thought that you're the one that needs to tell people what to do. And, and this idea of releasing these PMs from that limiting belief by putting coaching in their toolkit was just a way to help them almost shift their perspective about how they see themselves showing up on these teams. So it doesn't matter whether it's project manager, whether it's manager, whether it's peer, all of this, you don't have to have all the answers. The person coming to you asking you a question, they have what they need. They just need you to sort of help tease it out. So um, there's a lot of kind of uh, circling around uh, evoking awareness and giving these ability or capability to ask the question and to kind of build accountability with individuals. Uh, I'm wondering when you're working with teams, what's different in working with teams when you design actions and build accountability? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a great question. And I, I mean, at the end of the day, even though I'm working with a team, if there's something that needs to be done you know, that the team is agreeing to it, but they all have their individual component that they're agreeing to uh, in some way, unless they've, unless they still need to figure out what their component is, but I still see teams agreeing together. When the teams are, are jibing together and, and, and they're, they're firing on all cylinders, they're able to make these commitments 
as a group and then figure out what their role is in that. And so, but, but I almost see like on your face, the next question is, well, what if the team's not jiving, right? And what if they aren't firing on all cylinders? And, and that's where it just takes, it takes a lot of work too. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, it just takes the, the care and the work to help get them there. You know, it takes the care and the help, the, the work to help get them there. And, and it starts with a foundation of trust. And, and once they begin uh, trusting each other and trusting you as a coach, um, you know, it, it just starts to flow, but, but that can take some time. You know, I'm, I'm working with some teams now um, uh, in a healthcare setting. And, and when I first came in um, uh, as their, as their enterprise coach, um, you know, these are, these are folks that have been on these teams for a very long time. They've built up some, some organizational habits that no longer serve them. And so just sort of helping to, helping them get to where they need to go, starting with a foundation of building trust, starting with building their awareness around resolving conflict, uh, starting with um, building their awareness around emotional intelligence. These are some of the instruments I use that I work with teams, uh, particularly like this one that I'm thinking of. And so it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole, I wanna say a whole person model, but it's not just one person, it's a whole team model, right? It's, it's not just what this part of it, it's this part and this part and this part and that part. So we need to take all of it together mm -hmm. and work with it. And that's what makes the work fun. <laughs> so just for a record, that wasn't my question, but it's a great answer. I'm, I missed it, <laughs> Trent. So, Ooh, tell me the question again. But but it, it it gets me it gets me to the next question and I appreciate you kind of building the bridge there. So we start with definition of accountability, mm -hmm. and sounds like we went to the team level. So at which point does the culture of accountability emerge? At which point does the culture of accountability emerge? Huh. Maybe I don't understand your question. Can you ask it again? So when do you know that now I have this culture of accountability showing up? Yeah. So these individual accountabilities and individual actions and individual do-say ratios, yeah. they start, start coalesce into yes. something more than just the sum of these individual actions and the culture emerges. Yeah. How do you know that, that it's showing up? Oh, that's such a nice question. You know, for me, um, <laughs> so I, when I'm working with a team that has kind of evolved to this place, I feel that. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe what it is I'm feeling, but I, I feel their uh ability to commit together, their ability to deliver together. I have such a, a powerful example of that when I was working at a, another medical device company. This is when I was an employee and an agile coach. And just the, the progress of taking a team from its early stages of building trust and understanding uh, what, it, what it means to do what we say we're going to do, not just individually, but together as a team. And then when we start moving to the place where when we say we're gonna do something together, we actually do it and we do it on time against whatever agreement we set. And we keep doing that again and again and again. People start puffing their chest up a little bit. You know, there's just this sort of, 
I'll use the phrase swagger because I can't think of another word to say. There's just a, a swagger of the team flowing together. And it's, I love that stuff. And so I, I like to, to work with a team to get them there. And, and it's different for every team because, you know, each team has its own, its own thing. So did I miss that one by a mile too, or was that, was that your no, question? No, yeah. I, I would like to offer an alternative word doing it with panache. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm yeah. just how, I many like people, it. how many people will dig into the dictionaries? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Go grab your dictionary, Google the word. Yeah, I like it. So I'm wondering, Alicia, how um, you said you were this recovering project manager who used to want to control everything, and now you're in this place where you want people to control themselves. How did coaching bring you there? Yeah. You know, the thing, the, the way that coaching brought me there was, you know, going through my, my program that I went through, I went through an actual ICF certified training program to refine my skill uh, and really further develop my skill as a coach. Um, and one of the biggest things that happened in that program, I always say that I met myself in my program. And, and, and what I realized is that uh, I wasn't as important as I thought I was. And so I didn't, I didn't need to have, you know, this is just the, 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 the witnessing of ego and, and, and how that can get in the way, right? And so what I witnessed for myself is that uh, the combination of releasing judgment and holding this other person as creative, resourceful, and whole, that's how I got there. And it, it just is so, um, it's so freeing, uh, e e even in a peer relationship, it's so freeing to just release that judgment, hold them as creative, resourceful, and whole, and just be there to witness them stepping into the power of what they're capable of doing. I just see teams flourish in ways that prior to all of that, I, I didn't see the same way. And so mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that helped me close the gap. Yeah. You know, I can imagine um, someone sitting at their desk right now, listening to this and saying, yeah, I can't go to go to companies and say, y'all hold yourselves accountable. You responsible. You do this. My business will suffer. So I'm wondering what the impact to your business and your clients has been because of the way you've now shifted and you're working with them. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that is, um, is, is the progress. So it really starts with trust. You know, all my work comes to me through referral. And so when I'm in partnership with my sponsor of the work that we're going to do together, it starts with trust. We need to know that we're going to get there together and it's gonna be a little bumpy and it's gonna be a little rocky. And do you have the stomach for it? Cause I'm gonna ask you that up front, right? Do you have the intestinal fortitude to deal with the fact that this is not gonna be a walk in the park at times? And are you prepared to, to, to go the distance? And so sometimes that can take a little bit more. And so, you know, since all of my work comes by referral, you know, we can have these more, um, I don't wanna say, I don't know how to describe this. The word intimate comes to mind for me, but these 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 close to the vest kinds of conversations where where we really look at what we're about to do together and and we lay the groundwork so that um, 
the initial stages of this, because I do assessments on the front end of the work that I do with my clients. And so there's a lot of revealing of their system to them. And so this is when we have this conversation. I'm ORSC trained too, love that work as well. And so, you know, there's a lot of this that we uncover and we talk about in the beginning. And so they kind of get themselves ready for this journey that we're going to take together. And so uh, it's been positive. It's been positive, but it's been positive because to some extent they know what to expect up front. You know, I'm not just buying the agile, <laughs> you know, we're, we're literally changing the shape of our organization, the shape, the color, the look, well, not always the color, but the shape and the look and the, and the dynamics of our organization. And so uh, uh, a lot of what happens on that front end assessment part helps them prepare for that. Mm -hmm. It sounds like upfront in your, your agreement with the company, you're building accountability for yourself, should, like modeling accountability to what they should be doing. And oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm also being clear about, and, and this is a topic for another time, but I'm also clear that I'm bring, bringing a toolkit of competencies with me and that I understand that you think you're buying the agile, but as we continue these conversations, you'll understand that there's a time when there's a coaching hat that's going to you know, will determine is the best way for you to get what you need. There's a time when a, a training hat is going to be what you need. There's a time when a facilitation hat is what you're going to need. So I set those, those, I want to say boundaries, but I'll set, I set those agreements up front so that they know what to expect. So that when I do show up with my coaching hat, they're not like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? They understand that that's part of what we're here to do together. Mm. This makes me think of the way I hear Agile coaches respond often, which is, but the client expects me to be a consultant. And hmm, what do you say to that? Yeah, I, so that's the thing that is that conversation that we could talk about all afternoon. <laughs> I, I am very clear up front with my clients that not only do we have a, a toolkit of, of resources and consulting is part of that, but I'm going to be clear about when we're moving in and out of these competencies so that A, you know that these are the, the competencies that are coming, here's what they could look like, and B, when I'm moving in and out of those, you're clear so that your expectations are managed and you are not feeling like, well, I paid for a consultant and I get this person standing around asking questions all the time and that's really irritating to me. So I, I really love to set that up up front. The other thing I'll say about the questions is sometimes when we're new at this and we think that just asking questions is the way to coach, um, <laughs> we just fire off like almost in an interrogation kind of way a bunch of questions and it's very off-putting for the person who's receiving that especially when the questions start with why and so there's this understanding that we get as we move along as coaches and we develop our craft and our skill to where we can ask the kinds of questions that where the person who's being coached doesn't realize that we're actually starting to move into a coaching arc <laughs> back to the what did you say panache is that what it is <laughs> Gosh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, um, and that's a great conversation to have that there's this misconception that coaching is all about asking questions. And there's so much more to that. And it's enough just to take a glance at ICF competencies to realize that, yeah, powerful questions are important but they are just one competency out of just, 11. 
Adam, that's exactly right. And 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 what I also find when I see people that are sort of new at this is the 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 biggest component to the coaching conversation is the listening piece. And they're not doing that, you know, and they're not and they're not listening at a level beyond what am I going to buy for dinner on the way home, you know, level one, right? So they it's just it's just building competency. This is not this is not a judgment because we all have to start somewhere. But I just find that sometimes when people are in their early stages you know, they just jump right in with the interrogation kind of questioning. And then that that's sometimes where the client can be like, uh, what is going on here? <laughs> and, and you know what? I probably would rather them thinking about what I'm going to buy for dinner because at that point, I just know they are not there. <laughs> rather true. than them thinking that they, which question should I ask next? It's true. So that's basically true. like, I have this tool, I have this shiny new tool, and I have, uh, as Claire said the other uh, week, I have this basket of questions and I'm rummaging through that basket of questions for the best question to ask, and I'm going to hit you hard with that question. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's funny. I, I want to pull back a little bit, yeah. uh, kind of back to accountability. and. Uh, we know that we help the client to build actions and to design actions, build accountability. What about the coach? When you get into your engagement or when you get in front of the team, what is accountability for you personally as a consultant, as maybe a team member uh, or as an external agile coach? And how do you design that accountability for yourself? Yeah. So. I, I designed, so it's a few ways. Um, I originally designed my accountability in the early stages of our agreement about the work that I'm going to do. So I, I, uh, I, I left all this off in my, in, in my introduction because I, I had a complete like brain freeze. But uh, so I am an independent agile coach. I work mostly at the enterprise level. I've been at it for, this will be my sixth year. And so this is a huge thing for me. <laughs> like, look at this. I got through 2020. That's amazing. So I, um, I start with the, the conversations of how we'll work together. That's the initial conversation. And then when we move to contracts, I'm pretty specific, but with flexibility in a contract, because, you know, you don't want to lock it in down to dates and times in a contract, because that doesn't make sense. But, you know, I, I'm clear to state up front, you know, what I'll do. And, and the and the biggest thing about my accountability with my clients is if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And, and they know that. Like, so for instance, I have a client that, a new client that's a referral from another client in the same organization. Um, and our agreement is a little different from his. She paid for everything up front. Now, she doesn't know me from Adam. <laughs> this is completely her coming in off of referral from her peer. And every time I say I'm going to do something, I do it. I want her to feel like that money she paid up front that she can trust that I'm going to deliver. And so whether that's what's written in the statement of work, if that's when I say on Monday, I'm going to get you something on Friday, I do that. And so, and, and if I'm unable to do that, I let them know ahead of time. That's all people want. You know, this idea of the do say thing, it's not like the world's going to end if you can't get the thing done. But if you don't bother telling anybody that you can't get it done or if you need help or if you you don't escalate, this is part of some of the, the culture of scrum teams, right? I used to call it a thrash limit. If you've 
beat your head against a wall for five and a half hours and you don't ask anybody for help, <laughs> you've, you've exceeded your thrash limit. And, and teams put that together. When I do working agreements with teams, we come up with a thrash limit. How long am I going to thrash on this before I throw up a flare or send out a white flag or release the hounds, whatever it is I do to get help. You know, I, I just, you know, I need help and, and, and I've created psychological safety to where I can say I need help and people aren't going to think I'm a loser. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. There was a question that you, somebody asked me and, and I feel like I've completely caught up the rails. Nope, nope, you're good, but I'm going to nail you down this time. You whistled yeah. your way out of the first question. So, and you go, oh, oh, let's not get into metrics and all that, but you bring back- Oh, oh yeah. You bring back that do say ratio and now- Again, I know. You. So what's yeah. the do say ratio for Alicia? Yeah, what is that? Yeah, if I if I were to give it a number, I don't even know. I mean, if I were to say there's a percentage of me, and this is not just work, this is me socially, this is me, you know, with family, I would say I'm way in the 90s on if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And if I and if I can't, I'm going to tell you why I can't or if I'm going to miss whatever deadline. I mean, this is down to writing thank you notes. I mean, this is this is how I how much I take this very seriously. And this is how ridiculous it gets. If I say I'm going to commit to a social event, I'm not one of those people that like just doesn't show up or doesn't, you know, that ugh, no. <laughs> I feel like if I say I'm going to do something that you could take that to the bank. All right. So safe people would approve with their 80% threshold. They have this, if, if you achieve 80% of your, whatever that PI goals, you're great. Yeah. So safe people would approve of Alicia's threshold. They would approve of me. That's exciting to know. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So Alicia, what would you, um, I guess, what would you say to people just getting out here and figuring out that they want to incorporate coaching into their agile coaching? They want to incorporate mm -hmm. this, this professional coaching thing. Um, yeah. how, would you, how would you tell them to get started? Yeah, so I have three, uh, three, three things. So there's a great book that I think is such a great way to start getting your mind wrapped around the power of the right question. It's, and it's called The Coaching Habit by Mo Michael Bungay Stanier. And I just like that book. I like it in paper form. I like it in electronic form. And for people that are coming in out of the cold, like Alex might say, <laughs> this is a great book to kind of warm you up to the idea of coaching. The uh, And the great thing, and actually he's doing a talk on this on February 18th, on his second book, the sequel to that called The Advice Trap, because that's the thing that we get into when we're not coaching, we're giving advice, right? And that's, love the title of that book. So I'd get both of those. So that's that's the first one. The second thing is to get coaching yourself, because when you get coaching yourself, you you kind of understand the, the dance 
and the mechanics of a, of a coaching arc in that conversation. The third thing is, is oh, four things. The third thing is, is um, I would go to a coaching school if that's within the realm of your uh, ability, time, resources, all of that. I would, I would go to a coaching program because frankly, it was life-changing for me. I am a different person. I feel like I am a better spouse, sister, friend, <laughs> human as a result of meeting myself. <laughs> However many years ago it was in my coaching program, and then the and then the fourth thing is, is so uh, so I'm the founder co-founder of the Agile Coaching Exchange for North America, and we frequently do. I'm saying we. It's actually the Tennessee group, uh, Agile Coaching Exchange, Middle Tennessee. They frequently do coaching dojos, and so it's a great way to sort of slap on the training wheels and give this stuff a try. So attending a coaching dojo, participating in a coaching dojo, that's another. Way way to build your skill. Kind of good in the progression of you've already read the book, you've got some powerful questions, you kind of get the concept of it. Uh, maybe you've had some coaching yourself. Maybe you get into the coaching dojo. Maybe you take a program. I think all of those things are great. Yeah. Awesome. So um, I'm wondering, as I listen to you that, uh, well, first, I agree. When I took coach training, I I tell people all the time, I went in one person and they came out a completely different human. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I, I agree about the getting training and mostly about the getting coaching. And so where would the average person who doesn't have, you know, tons and tons of money, a whole company backing them up. Let's hire an agile coach and bring them in here. Um, where do they go? How do they get um, access to coaching? Um, there's a lot. You mean, uh, how do they get access to coach training or just getting coaching? Either. Like, how, how do they even connect into this whole industry that is life-changing? Uh, yeah. That's a great question. I think there's, I think there's a couple ways to do it. Um, and, and this to me is almost like the best kept secret. So people that are going through coaching programs need coaching hours to be able to complete their programs, to excel to their next level of certification. And oftentimes there's plenty of people out there that are looking for people to coach. And there's varying ways that you can compensate them to where they can get what they need and you can get what you need. So if you go to ICF, the International Coach Federation, or I think it's called coachfederation.org, you can see all the different types of training programs. I think your program's on there, isn't it? For sure, Tandem Coaching is an ICF, but yeah. So, so you can go out to ICF uh, or coachfederation.org and, and look up uh, resources there to find um, uh, coaching programs. And then at those coaching programs, if you pick a half dozen of those, there's countless people that are looking for uh, people to coach. I know when I was looking for people to coach, when I very first started, I was like, whoever, <laughs> I just want to get started, right? So, yeah. That is such a fabulous <laughs> idea. And I wish more people would contact our school saying, we're looking for a coach. Do you have anyone who would help yes. us? They're yes. People. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, so I feel like I've kind of taken us off track and I know your, your big passion here is around um, building this culture of accountability. So mm -hmm. what have you not said because we haven't asked you? 
Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that, and this kind of goes back to a point that you were making earlier, is that, you know, accountability is not a four-letter word. It's, it's not a bad thing. You know, people want to do what they say they're going to do. People want to hold themselves accountable. People want to be on a team that does what it says it's going to do. And so, you know, there's just something magical when a team comes together to do that. So it's not a bad thing. Um, yeah, that that part is, uh, I think that part is something that needs to be said because when you hear accountability, kind of like what you earlier said, people feel like, oh, I can't breathe, right? It's not that, it's not that. It's a good thing. Yeah, so um, we're talking about this accountability and I have a feeling that we're talking just really high level and really kind of in, like, you know, in, in theory. Do you have a specific example when you came in and when you helped the team to build this accountability and when they got a result and that was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's so funny because it's not, it, it starts with, it starts with so many things underneath it before you even get to that piece, but yeah, so a really interesting example when I was at working at a medical device company, when I first started in this division, the division would produce, you know, in terms of releases to production, maybe like two to four releases to production. And there was a real uh, organizational uh, opinion that this organization didn't have much credibility. Don't give it to them. They never do what they say they're going to do or they never do it on time. And so that was kind of how we started. And then as we began building our agility and, and, and bringing this about this culture of accountability and teams being able to rely on each other to do what they said they were going to do and handoffs started getting cleaner. People started trusting each other. There, you know, people felt safe in the organization. See, there's all these building blocks to getting to this, right? So as all these things started to develop and this culture of, uh, accountability started to develop. Now the general manager is going around talking about how this organization is putting out 114, you know, production releases a year as opposed to two to four. And so, and people are like, oh, give it to that group. We know they'll get it done. You know, there's just this building of credibility. And I saw that happen. This is a pretty big organization. There's probably about 500 people in this organization. And, um, oh, wait, was it 500? It might have been more than that, um, but uh, it was a business unit um, uh, in a medical device company. And, and, and to watch him just walk around beaming with pride that his organization was able to produce this, whereas before he was kind of tucking his tail and not wanting to say much uh, about his team or his organization. But, but accountability is part of that. You don't, we don't get from where we were to here and having organizational credibility without us doing what we say we're gonna do. And so that, that is a, uh, an example of how the building blocks of this led to a team that's much more reliable. Yeah, people could rely on us to do what we said we were gonna do. Yeah, there's a lot of elitists there, reliability, accountability, and all that good stuff. So you mentioned that, you mentioned the coaching exchange. You mm -hmm. are an agile coach kind of um, by yourself. What else is going on with Alicia these days? Yeah, 
So yeah, so the Agile Coaching Exchange, we meet monthly, and this is even in COVID, we've just moved to a virtual model, and now we've expanded our network to where we're not just meeting locally, because it was the Agile Coaching Exchange for Southern California, Silicon Valley, Middle Tennessee, Dallas, blah, blah. We just all kind of leverage each other's work, and we just jump on the call with whoever's holding the event. So that just, you could just know that monthly, uh, the Agile Coaching Exchange is producing some something somewhere in the United States once a month. And we're structured around the Agile Coaching Competency Model. So any given month, whatever the topic is, it's in one of those quadrants around the Agile Coaching Competency Framework uh, out of the Coaching Agile teams. So that's one thing. Uh, and then for me, I am still working with my clients and I am uh, always looking for uh, new experiences to work with individuals and teams and organizations. And uh, my current passion is working with uh, leaders, uh, functional managers, and all the way up in software development and IT to build greater agility in and resilience in their own leadership style. So how do I navigate COVID? How do I work with my teams? How do I start to build a culture of accountability? So that's, that's my that's my jam right now. I'm excited about that and looking forward to working with, uh, yeah, whoever is uh, whoever is uh, coming my way. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and those who are coming your way and want to join you in jamming, <laughs> yeah, how can they contact you? Yeah, so my business name is Operational Hyphen Innovations with an S dot com. They can go there and find me there. You can find me on Twitter uh, as Agile Leader SD or the Leadership Coach. You can find me on Twitter. I'm also part of a cohort in an organization called WiseHer. And so if you go to WiseHer.com, W-I-S-E-H-E-R.com, uh, that's a, a group that supports uh, women that are building their small businesses and trying to take themselves to the next level. And I'm also doing some coaching for two organizations. Uh, this is Pro Bono Coaching, the Gratitude Network, um, coaching social entrepreneurs, global social entrepreneurs, and the um, Coaching Fellowship. I'm a coach there too. So just doing all kinds of coaching and it's great. <laughs> all right. Well, sounds like busy, busy, busy 2021 for you, Alicia. Yeah, uh, we wish you uh, a lot of success uh, in you. this new year. And uh, thank you so much for joining our podcast today. It was another episode of Tandem Coaching Academy Skipping Agile Non-Denominational Podcast with Alicia McLean. And we've been talking about accountability and how to build it with coaching. Shuri Silas and I, Alex Winnif, were your hosts. Bye now.